Hello, and welcome to Literary Work in Progress, where we're fans of fiction and purveyors of dodgy writing advice. I'm Caitlin. I'm Cameron. I'm Dan. And I'm Kristen. And we just thought we'd get to the good part. We have a special guest this week, number one New York Times bestseller of the Wings series, April Lynn Pike. Tell us about your books, April Lynn. Hey, I have 13 books in three different series. My most recent one that came out uh, almost exactly a year ago is Glitter. And it is about a girl in the future in the Palace of Versailles in France who gets herself in a bad situation and starts selling drugs, as one does. (laughs) I've read Glitter, and it is a super intense read. I had a lot of fun with it. So today we're talking about pacing, which is why we wanted to just get to the good part. So what is pacing? It's how fast stuff happens. That's a really succinct way to put it, and I think that boils it down to something a little bit simpler than what it is, but... That's a good way to start. Whenever I think of pacing, I always think about when I ran cross country in high school. I am not a particularly fast runner, and so I would oftentimes run with people who are a lot faster than me, so they would challenge me to to keep up with them, but that they were slow enough that like it was actually possible for me to accomplish that challenge. And I think when you're writing a book, you need to make sure that your pacing is similar to cross-country pacing, where you're challenging your readers to keep up with you, but you're not completely losing them in action. And I think that varies based on genre. Yeah, um, I really agree that pacing has a lot to do with genre. And sometimes the pacing is going to be emotional. So it's not, I mean, there are books that I have loved that are long and great, but I can sum up their plot in two sentences. And so sometimes pacing isn't necessarily stuff happens, but... It's the way that your story flows towards its ending. And it really, I mean, genre is, a, is really related. When I was a new writer, I went to a week-long writing retreat with a thriller writer. And I learned so much about pacing because, of course, I think more than any other genre, thrillers, you have to just have something happening every moment. And it can't just be something happening it has to be something that is leading you toward the end of your book because you can have an entire book full of things blowing up and people dying and it's a total snooze fest because it doesn't have anything to do with the plot. I don't know about you. Maybe you have your entire story in your head at one time, but me, I have a lot of scenes like I hope that this happens and I want it to end here. And pacing is how do we make sure that all the good stuff isn't crammed at the end or that the beginning doesn't have a strong start, but the time you get to the end, nobody even cares anymore. Pacing is about how do you make sure that there's things of worth happening, like not just things blowing up, but meaningful things. And those things all build on each other up toward a climax, like April Lynn was saying, whether it's an emotional climax or an action climax or whatever else. And I think something that is really important when it comes to pacing is that you need to know what genre you're writing in and the market of that genre, because... Your audience is going to expect different things from you based on what you're writing. So even with age groups, a YA will have slightly different rules regarding pacing than a middle grade will, than like an adult novel typically does. I think one thing that helps to control pacing, at least as far as making things go faster, is how to structure your chapters. If, for instance, you're writing a thriller and you make all of your chapters end on a cliffhanger, It'll make it so that it seems like it's going much faster, and thrillers tend to be really fast. It's a sit-down, read-in-one-sitting type of book where every chapter ends in, and we found this new clue, and we have this new suspect who is sitting in the other room waiting to kill us all. And it's that moment between we found the clue 
and we haven't confronted the person yet that makes it seem like it goes faster. You want to turn the next page. You can do this with romances where you have someone who starts to declare love for somebody else, but they're interrupted or or they do declare their love for them, but there's some complication that that the other character needs to get out and the reader knows and is waiting for it to happen. As soon as you have things that the reader knows needs to happen or is excited to happen. And if you stop it right before that thing can happen, your reader's going to turn the page and that makes your pacing seem like it's going much faster. So when we get submissions, a lot of times we focus on the first chapter of a book. So what are some ways to handle pacing within that first chapter that will make an agent interested or make readers want to keep reading? I rewrite them about 10 times. Um, <laughs> beginnings are hard. And that's the thing. Anytime that I'm doing a critique, it's almost always the first one, three, 10, 20 pages, you know, it's, it's easy to get stuck on the beginning, but they're really hard. They're difficult to do, even for seasoned writers. I'm constantly redoing my, my, uh, my first chapters. I am a really, really big fan of the inciting incident. And that is the one moment that sets off the rest of the plot. And I keep going back to this, but I feel like it's really important is that one of the things that my professor said in college was don't mistake plot for stuff happens. So again, if you open with a huge bar fight and people dying and blood everywhere and then everything explodes after that, that's not necessarily a good opening unless it has to do with your plot. If the big thing that sets off your plot is two people start to kiss and then don't, that can be really exciting. If the big thing that starts your plot is a car goes off the road and explodes, then that's exciting too. But whatever the moment that your story really begins, the moment that everything starts that is leading to your ending, that's the moment you want to be in your first chapter. And I, I think an important thing along the lines of that inciting incident is to make sure that it's clear that that's what that is and that you're getting into it relatively quickly. So rather than like info dumping about all of your world building in the first chapter and then having the inciting incident, just get to the inciting incident. The other information can wait. I've mentioned this before, but when I was working on the first draft of the book, I thought it was really, really boring. And I thought, there's still so much that needs to happen, though, before the first interesting thing happens. So I decided to sit down one day and write until I got to the inciting incident. And about 17 hours later and 15,000 words, I finally got to the first interesting thing. <laughs> and decided to make that the beginning. And even then, I've rewritten it since then. So making sure that something meaningful happens to make the reader want to read more. It's really hard to put all that work in and then cut all of it if you have to, except that that's why first chapters are so hard. Sometimes you spend a lot of time writing before you get to the right promises, before you get to the right incident, before you really figure out where the story is supposed to start. I think sometimes the first chapter ends up being the last thing I write in a book because it's only after I've written the rest of it that I know exactly what has to be said and what has to happen in the first chapter. As, as kind of just kind of an aside, there's no such thing as wasted writing. Even if you write an entire novel and it never goes anywhere, that's an entire novel's more experience you have to put into the next one. That's a really nice way to think that's about so it. But sometimes it I'm, not saying, <laughs> I'm not saying it's not going to still hurt. I'm not going to say it hurts to bury your babies. But it's it's never a complete waste. That's true. So I know we're normally focused on the first chapter, but I think it's worth discussing pacing throughout a novel. And April and I know you had some thoughts on that. I'm actually really not great at pacing naturally. I think that I've gotten to the point where I am at least better after, you know, 13 books. But 
A really helpful me- metaphor that I like is, and I hope that you guys know what I'm talking about. It's the little water tables that like kids have, that it's like a big twisty river and you put little things in and you turn the knob and they like their water mills and stuff and they make the boat move around. And the faster you spin them, the faster the boat will move, etc. But it's like that. It doesn't matter how twisty your river or your plot is. If it's not moving, that boat doesn't go anywhere. And I feel like often writers forget that you're headed somewhere. There's a destination that you're going to. And every single scene and every single chapter should be pushing the plot toward that ending. It might be subtle. It might be something the reader doesn't understand how it's even related to the plot until you do get to the ending. But as a writer, I feel like I should be able to look at every chapter and say, the purpose of this chapter is, and that should be directly related to where my plot is going. I think that's a really great skill to have, to be able to look at your work and see exactly how each scene relates to your main climax. And if you see two chapters or two scenes that accomplish the same purpose, to be able to just choose one and cut the other. Another thing I wanted to touch on as far as pacing as it relates to genre is that depending on what genre you're writing, your readers will have a different attention span as far as how many details you include, how many characters there are, how much world building there is. For example, if you're writing high fantasy, people who like high fantasy like really specific world building about the plants and how it interacts with the weather and the magic system and all of those things, except that if you're writing middle grade, they might not be able to even remember those details. And if those details are specifically important to your plot, they won't remember them when the time comes to do so. So when you're writing you have to pay attention to those things depending on what genre you're writing, how large your your audience's attention span is going to be. For example, in A Darker Shade of Magic, you have three separate Londons. This is by Victoria Schwab. She's such a great writer. But if she were writing that for a middle grade audience, I think she would have had to spend a whole lot more time with the characters doing specific things that moved right toward the plot without um, examining like the difference between the different Londons. She might have had a few lines maybe to say, Grey London didn't have any magic. Red London had lots of magic. White London had too much magic before and now it had not enough magic and so people were starving there. And maybe in middle grade, the starving would have to be couched in a way that was not scary. So with that book in particular, I love how deep and layered it is, but I don't think you could pull that off in the same way for a different audience just because with your audience's attention span, they can't handle that much detail. I think something else that is important, I this is only partially, I guess, related to pacing. I, I just think that it's absolutely essential that the characters move the plot. I feel like when the plot happens to the characters, pacing gets really jumbled and weird because we just don't really understand what's supposed to be happening or like why it matters or what it has to do with the main character. And so when you have characters being proactive, things seem to move a lot faster than they do when they're just being passive. I think readers tend to have a higher tolerance for plot meanderings if it's meandering because the character chose to do something and that choice was in line with their motivations. On on a really technical scale when it comes to pacing, I think it's absolutely essential to like vary dialogue with locking with a little bit of navel-gazing. When writers who are in early drafts or are new to writing focus too much, like it'll just be all dialogue or all navel-gazing, that's really easy to get the readers tripped up if the boat stops on that thing. And so I think something that helps a lot, especially in revisions, is to go through and make sure that there's 
there's variation because that makes things read smoother. When you're concentrating on just one of those things, like if you're just navel gazing, you're just inside the character's head, or if you're just world building, then that tends to look like big, huge blocks of text, which I don't know about you, but when I see huge blocks of text on a page, it makes my eyes kind of glaze over and it makes it seem like it's a lot of information that's all being dropped at the same time. So if you do what Kristen is saying, where you intersperse dialogue with blocking with world building with navel gazing so that you get a little bit of each then you have white space you have line breaks that make it easier to swallow too that makes it seem to go faster or more smoothly it's a really interesting exercise to take a popular book a book that has essentially said people like this book and just thumb through its pages and look at it visually don't bother with any of the words and notice how much white space there is, how much there is block text, white space, block text, short paragraphs, long paragraphs. But you can see these books that a lot of people like to read. You visually see that variation that you're talking about. So I think we're going to move into the second portion of our podcast now where we critique a submission, a first chapter. Just as a reminder, when we critique, we spend the first two minutes talking about the things that we like to the things we feel this writer did well. And then we spend the next eight-ish minutes talking about things that might need a second look. That doesn't mean they need to follow all of our advice exactly. We're trying not to be prescriptive, which means we try not to rewrite what we read or write it the way we think it should be. But rather, we talk about the things that didn't exactly work for us or we felt like the author had something in mind and it didn't quite land for us. As always, all feedback is subjective, so we hope that it's helpful. So here's a quick synopsis of what we read. This submission is about a girl who loves her life. She loves where she lives. She loves her friends. But there's this inserted sense of horror that despite the fact that she has this wonderful life, something has happened to her. We don't know what, but whatever it is, is leading her toward something terrible. Like she's about to fall down a hole with a really mean guy at the bottom of it. We're not really sure yet because we only have the first chapter. So what did we like about this submission? There were a lot of details about things she's doing while she's talking or aspects of the character that I thought were able to paint an image of who this person is. And a lot of the submissions we've read don't take as much time to really describe this is who my character looks like and what she's interested in doing or things like that. There aren't very many characters in this piece, but mostly it just centers on we have the we have the protagonist and her friend, but even just with the little interaction we've seen between the two, we can see how they are two distinct developed individuals. And that helps you a relate to the protagonist and then it builds confidence for the future and that you can see even from the get-go, you've got two characters who are actually fleshed out living beings rather than stereotypes. I thought overall the prose was really clean. I really liked the sense of impending doom. At the very end, we have this girl who's riding her bike off to we don't know where, but she's super happy. And I have this image of this girl riding her bike out in the sunshine, smiling with the scary music playing in the background. If this was a movie, title drop would have happened right at the end of that image. (laughs) I knew what the story was about. Um, In three pages, I had a grasp on Hazel. So if we want to move on to the next portion of the critique, the second look things, 
this is something I was really conflicted about. I feel like the voice is very consistent, but it's almost like narration. I felt like at the end of this, the main character was going to say, my name is Hazel and this is my story. It was really consistently done, but I felt like the whole first chapter, the whole three pages we got was telling. It felt, the conversation in particular felt like every time it started going, they'd hit the brakes. It's like, let me describe some other thing or tell you some other thing about myself. And then here's another line of dialogue and then break. Here's some more things I could tell you about myself. Super visual person. And so I, I totally agree with that, that I think we have a lot of information and backstory here that we don't need. And as a visual person, I printed out the pages and I highlighted everything that I thought I would delete if this were my story. And I ended up, I mean, I've got half of the, the first and last page deleted. I wanted to jump right into a scene instead of a description of a city and a college that isn't even where the story is. And yeah. I was thinking about that, which is she's building up to the inciting event, like, but I'm on my way to meet this mysterious mm -hmm. man. It's like, well, can we meet the can man we, we meet the man? first chapter? Through the whole through this whole submission we get there's a promise. There's gonna be conflict. I promise there's gonna be conflict, but there's literally no conflict. It's her life is perfect. Aside from this thing I promise that's gonna happen, but nothing's happening yet. I feel like it's important to show the difference between the character's life before and after the inciting incident. So I do want to see that her life is perfect. But I think the thing that I struggled with is that she told us everything instead of showing us that her life was perfect. And I had first thought the pull was like the pull of adventure or uh -huh. something like that. Yeah, I agree. And so when this tonal shift happens, the last half page, I was like, oh, oh. Oh. This is a horror book. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think there's something to be said for the promises that were made in this chapter and for making sure that the promises you make are the ones you want to be making and that they're clear. Because like even that example of the poll, that's that gives two conflicting ideas of a promise. But like for me, I was a little confused about what promises were being made because there was a moment of dialogue that paired with some other elements of the story confused me where Hazel and Katie are talking and there's something about like doing something with your body. And then there's this imagery of a kite string and being led away to your doom. And I was just, I think it is setting up a story that I'm not sure if is the story that we're getting, because I think this is supposed to be YA and I was getting a little bit like 50 shades vibes. So <laughs> like, I think it's just, we need to make sure that the promises are the ones that we intend them to be. Yes. I didn't think this Isn't, was YA. The protagonist is... Oh, she's old. Oh, you're right. I'm so, sorry. So maybe... Scratch okay. that. <laughs> I'm getting confused. No, you're so right. It's not YA. It's not YA. But, but to play off of that, the title of the document we read was Acolyte. Mm -hmm. And I've heard that a lot in fantasy settings, but I couldn't tell, is this going to be something supernatural? Or is this just going to be someone who's naturally nasty or... To me, it was a bit vague what kind of story I was going to be getting into. What it comes down to is that this chapter is telling us what the story is going to be about. And what I'd really like for it to do is show us it happening. Yeah. I mean, she's telling us there's going to be a poll. There's going to be a thing. And I'm about to go and meet the thing. And I just, I want to go to the point where she experiences the thing. Because she says in the last paragraph, that she, or I guess it's the second to last, that she doesn't know about the poll. She doesn't know anything about it at this point. I'd rather see her discover it than her tell us there's going to be a poll. It's going to be devastating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'd love to see her 
chapter two because I bet her chapter two really ought to be her chapter one. Yeah. That happens so often where, yeah, the second so chapter often. usually should be the first chapter. I wonder if what the submission is trying to do is take something that is really difficult to explain, which is this pole thing that the character doesn't identify herself and explain it to us. So she's taking something that is a feeling and that is really difficult to show and then just breaking it down for us instead of showing us the difference between feeling it and not feeling it. I just read a book by Catherine Purdy called Burning Glass, and it's about an empath who not only feels other people's feelings, but she is affected by them and becomes that feeling almost. And within the first chapter, I think we get two paragraphs that tell us that she feels things that other people feel and she's standing next to someone who's hurt and she can feel those hurts. And then almost immediately we feel the difference because a bunch of starving peasants come up to the castle and our main character, instead of just feeling cold and feeling hungry, actually becomes one of them and goes and tries to let them in, even though they're going to kill her. She stops being reasonable. And so we have a really clear distinction between what it looked like before and what it looked like after. So I wonder if this submission is trying to skirt over the explaining difficult things by just telling us exactly what's happening rather than showing us by giving us a clear distinction between what this whole thing feels like versus what this character is like when she doesn't feel it. I think a way that I would try and phrase this problem is that this first chapter is her processing what is about to happen to her. In retrospect. Rather yeah, in retrospect, rather than yeah. just showing it yeah. happening. That's a really, really good observation. So I really feel like you hit it on the head with the foretelling what's going to happen in reverse. Mm -hmm. Because, Caitlin, you had commented that you liked the last couple of paragraphs where she's writing on toward despair, etc. I really didn't. I felt like the the beginning, the first introduction to the poll and that last introduction to the poll is revealing kind of like revealing your trick before you pull it mm -hmm. and it's more fun when it's a surprise so instead of warning the audience that she's about to jump into cold water i really wanted to see the writer just fling her in cold water you know so that we get the surprise of what the crack is happening here <laughs> instead of oh, oh this is that pull thing she warned us about mm -hmm. oh. There's a line where it says, it gives us the end, and it says, it's go there's going to be a moment where it feels like all hope is lost, but it won't be lost. Like, what, you just you just gave us the end of the story. <laughs> why, why would you do that? <laughs> we know she's going to come out with the capacity for hope at the end, which, well, we hope for so, me, is a big deal. Unless, novel, I mean, everybody dies. I think there are ways to do that that have worked in the past, but I, I, I really like, April, and I like your imagery of seeing it as a magic act. Just give us the magic. Well, we need to wrap things up. So thank you so much, April Lynn, for coming on the podcast and for literary work in progress. Thanks so much for listening and we will see you next week. Hi, Caitlin here. If you're interested in looking at the submission that was featured in today's podcast, you can find it on our website, literarywip.wixsite.com slash podcast. That's literarywip.wixsite.com slash podcast.
If you're interested in submitting your work for us to look at, you can find our submission guidelines on that same website. And we'd really appreciate it if you subscribe to our podcast in iTunes and leave us a rating and comment while you're there because it helps other people to discover our podcast. Thanks and see you next week.